Welcome to Wave, an Ocean State Job Lot podcast. My name is James Buckland, and in this episode, we're celebrating OSJL's 45th anniversary by hearing a few stories from the early days from the people who were there, OSJL owners Mark, Alan, Steve, Richard, and John. To start, Mark Perlman told me about how the company started at flea markets. Before we opened our first store, my brother Alan, Roy Dubbs, and myself used to go to auctions in the New York, New Jersey area, purchase merchandise, rent the truck, fill the truck, bring it back to my parents' home, put it in the basement, and then go out to the flea markets and sell the product over the weekend. Now, this is probably about 46 years ago. My brother at the time was going out with a girl who's father owned a company called Bertlin and Bertlin sold the least expensive shoes in New York's finest department stores. And there was a time at which all the the slippers that came in, and these were beautiful leather slippers, they all came in where the sizing was incorrect. So if you wore a size seven and you tried it on, it wouldn't fit. It was too small. And so Alan negotiated a deal where we bought these slippers for 50 cents because they were going to throw them in the garbage. And we went to the flea market and they all had the stickers from Lord and Taylor's and Bloomingdale's and Saks Fifth Avenue. So the customer was very aware of who was carrying the product. And our table was extremely crowded with women. And somebody would say, I I want an eight. And we'd give them a nine. And they'd say, no, I want an eight. And we'd say, just put it on your foot and try it. And they go, oh, this is really nice. We were selling these slippers for like $2 a piece, you know, in this department store goods. And so it was just a fun early story. And then we figured retail is really easy because look how many of these slippers we could sell for $2. Mark mentioned the early trips to auctions. And Alan Perlman went into more detail about some of the products that came out of those trips and how their surprisingly low prices almost got them into trouble we opened up our first store, we had very few items that were more than $1. We were heavy on tools. When people were going out of business, a lot of times their products would end up at an auction, which rarely happens today. But back then, there were some very unique situations that we went to where we bought merchandise at very low prices and had the ability to sell them at extremely low prices. A couple of things that come to mind, we had a janitorial supply place. I think the entire place went for about $50,000 and we could have you know, taken out of there. I, I can't even imagine how many trail loads of goods. We bought one row that was three or four racks high and it took us, I believe, all week to remove the product. We had things like hospital mops and soap powder and all kinds of things. We were removing it in a van because that's what we had. We didn't have trucks back then. Another auction I could think of, I went to an auction where they had music boxes. We were buying music boxes for 50 cents and a dollar that it was just ridiculous. Mark and I were running around in the metropolitan New York area selling products wholesale. And I can remember one time we had some inventory. We walked into a hardware store. The guy was going to call the cops because he thought we were dealing with stolen goods because the prices were too good. After the first OSJL store was opened in 1977 in North Kingstown, Rhode Island, In 1978, Steve Aronow opened the second store in Waterbury, Connecticut, and his initial buy-in to the company may not be what you'd expect. Whenever you go into a business and, and there are partners involved, you have to buy into the business. I didn't have any money. All I had was a car. 
So the agreement was, I'm going to give my car to the business, but the business is still going to let me drive it. Otherwise, you know, I'd have no way to uh, to do my work. There's another story about Waterbury. This must have been from a U.S. customs auction. We had U.S. Air Force survival suits. I think they were for pilots. If your plane crashed or you had to land in the water, it had waterproof compartments. I think it had like a breathing tube. But one day I went to the store to open it in the morning and we had a basement where we stored all our merchandise. And all I see are cartons floating around. We must have had two feet of water down there. So I went upstairs. I got one of these survival suits, put this thing on, waded through the water. So I took the cartons that were floating, put them on the top shelves that were empty to try to dry them out. It would have been a real trip if somebody took a picture of me in that suit down there. I felt like a frog man or something. When Richard Portno joined OSJL in 1985, one of his first assignments hit a bit of a snag due to regional dialects. When I came in, Mark and Alan and Steve were extremely busy. And one of the things that happened is I came in and very quickly, I was responsible for the advertising. And I basically never been in New England other than on vacation. I lived in Western New York, Ohio, and Louisiana. So when I was given the advertising, it was about two thirds of a page ad in the local newspapers. You know, I came up with the items. I took a look at what we advertised. I took a look at what we had in stock. I got suggestions from everybody. So the first week I advertised, we had a lot of drinks in stock. When I ran the ads, again, I have never been in New England. So I advertised pop. Pop is what we call soda in New England now. But in the rest of the country, it was pop. So I ran two weeks in a row, pop for sale. We started getting calls, what's pop? <laughs> and then I had an education that in New England, it's called soda. In 1979, John Conforti actually began his relationship with OSJL from the outside as a CPA at a firm with OSJL as his client. My boss at the time came up to me and he said, this group has uh, two retail stores and they're looking to grow and expand. Want somebody who's a CPA at a very reasonable billing rate, handed me the account. I was on the outside overseeing the accounting, the financials and the tax work from 1979 to 1987 and saw the company grow from that two store chain to, to an 11 store chain when I joined the company in, in 1987. The office was just a small, tiny, like an enlarged closet, all right? <laughs> and in this space, you had Mark, you had Alan, you had Roy Dubs, who at the time was a founder principal, right? I'm coming in just to update the books, do the payroll tax returns, had to put my calculator up on a filing cabinet, and it was just uh, uh, great memories, you know, great memories. There's a lot of pride involved in seeing how we've grown together with a tremendous amount of hard work and 
team effort. It really extends to all of us from everyone here in corporate and the teams that we need in the DC and our drivers and our store teams to keep a company really successful. We're celebrating 45 years. We're going to be celebrating 150 stores, you know, incredible, incredible milestones. I want to thank my special guests for this podcast, OSJL owners, Mark, Alan, Steve, Richard, and John. If you'd like to submit a topic for the Wave podcast, you can reach me at news at osjl.com. We'll be back with more Wave next month. Thank you for listening.